You're listening to the Visibly Fit Podcast. Hey, I'm your host, Wendy Pett. And every week, I'll give you holistic, practical solutions for everyday issues related to nutrition, healing, functional fitness, and behavior modifications. As a naturopath, fitness expert, and wellness coach for over 20 years, my goal is to empower you to reach for greater health and to rise up to your next level of living in mind, body, and spirit. You were created with greatness in mind. It's time to own it. Are you with me? Then let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to the Visibly Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Pett. You know, about 600,000 people die each and every year of heart disease uh, in the U.S. alone. And actually, that number is going up. And so um, I have a really special guest here with us today. In fact, um, since if you're listening to this at the time that this is aired, this is American Heart Month, and it's real important that we are educated on heart health. But uh, before we get started, I did want to remind you that this podcast is part of the Spark Media Network, and it can be found on Edify app, pray.com, and um, um, KHCB Uplifted Streaming and more. So we appreciate wherever you're tuning in from. We are grateful. Make sure to leave us a five-star rating and a review, and we will read them on air. But our guest today knows all too well about uh, issues with the heart, and unexpectedly so. Lori Ann Wood lives in uh, in an empty nest, in beautiful Bentonville, Arkansas, which I have been there before, home of Walmart, actually, (laughs) with her husband and uh, the love of her life, whom she found in ninth grade. Oh my goodness, that's a godsend. Um, She is mom to three great young adults, one amazing son-in-law, and a miniature Dachshund um, I can never say that word, but I always called them weenie dogs, so there you go, (laughs) named Pearl. Her new favorite role is grandmother to Hazel. Lori Ann currently serves as founding leader of the Parenting Education Ministry at the Church of Christ in Bentonville, Arkansas. She also serves as Women Heart Champion Community Educator for Arkansas and American Heart Association Ambassador. Lori Ann was awarded the Frederick Eugner um, Narrative Essay Award, and her work has been published in numerous print and online Uh, venues, including Heart Insight Magazine, The Christian Century Magazine, Just Between Us Magazine, The Joyful Life Magazine, Bella Grace, and Sweet to the Soul Faith Magazine, Pepperdine University Press, and Yahoo.com. Having discovered a serious heart condition almost too late, Lori Ann writes to encourage others to ask their difficult faith questions along the detours of life. Lori Ann's first book is is scheduled to release this month, if you're listening, uh, in this February of 2023, with Cross River Media, and it's called Divine Detour. The path you didn't choose can lead to the faith you've always wanted. And you can always check out more uh, by going to LoriAnnWood.com. But welcome to Visibly Fit, Lori Ann. I'm so glad to meet you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's so great to be here. Yeah, it is a joy and and a, a just a, a pleasure. Um, you have just um, first of all, I I've read about you and I'm inspired by you because you. Um, well, I'm going to let you unpack the story, but you know sometimes you got to be careful what you ask God for, right? Right. <laughs> I'm just going to set the tone on that really quick. I, I think about sometimes how we are either going into a storm, we're in the middle of a storm, or we're coming out of one, 
And it could be whether it's financial or with relationships or uh, some sort of physical issue or a spiritual component. But you kind of had a combination of some uh, of all of it with uh, as far as probably all of it. Um, And I'd love for you to unpack kind of your story and then we'll kind of dive into some of the deeper questions and and get into some of the education pieces around heart health. So why don't you unpack that that moment uh, three weeks prior to your uh, heart issue discovery of what you were having a conversation with God about? Yes, we were um, we were taking my youngest daughter to visit a college, and I we were coming home, and I was reading a book like I usually do. My husband's driving, and something just hit me. I'm like, this is a turning point. I felt like our nest was getting empty. Um, there was something more that God had in mind for me. I didn't know what that was, but I wanted to be open to whatever that might be. And I remember praying, you know, this is, this is your time, God, this is whatever, wherever you lead me, I'm going there. And, you know, I'm thinking I might go back to college and get a different degree or, you know, start a business or all of these things that I had in mind. And, um, then just a few days later, I had a medical evaluation and they did all the testing and they said, wow, you're really healthy. You have less than 3% chance of ever developing heart disease, which didn't surprise me because there's no heart history in my family. And I have always led a really healthy lifestyle. So I wasn't surprised by that. Uh, three weeks after that evaluation, I almost died from end-stage heart failure from an unknown cause. Felt It was the week of Thanksgiving that year, and I, I just kind of felt under the weather. I felt like I maybe had the flu. Uh, maybe I had pneumonia. I had never had that. Maybe that's what this feels like. And I went to convenient care a couple of times. Um, they gave me an inhaler. The next time I went, um, they gave me an antibiotic. I still wasn't getting any better. It wasn't like horrible. I was still functioning and, you know, I just wasn't hungry and just kind of felt run down. Um, So my husband's like, we're going to our family doctor as soon as we can. Went to our PCP on the Friday after Thanksgiving and he did a few really quick (laughs) listens and uh, scans on me. And he said, if we're lucky, it's pneumonia. And we kind of looked at each other and Turns out I had an enlarged heart, what my Cleveland Clinic doctor later called as the largest heart she'd ever seen. My heart was functioning at 6%. 6%. And wow. Wow. I I think what was uh kind of crushing to me was that I had so much retained fluid mm-hmm. that was so heavy on me, but I spent um, almost two weeks in cardiac ICU at my local hospital. And, um, you know, I had defibrillator pads stuck to my chest and a crash cart right outside my door. Um, But it didn't really ever sink in that this is this is probably really serious um, because I didn't feel that bad. Mm. But um, it it turns out it was pretty serious. This is things we learned later. They didn't tell me this at the time, but they didn't really think I would leave the hospital. And then once I did leave the hospital, I was going back to the doctor once a week to check in. And I left with a, a life vest, which is an external defibrillator. 
And I wore that for nine months. They really thought if I made it out of the hospital, I might make it six months. And then I made it six months and they said, okay, maybe you can make it five years. It's been about seven years now. Wow. And and real quick, how old were you when this all took place? Mm-hmm. I was, uh, had just turned 51 when they diagnosed me at the point where I had sort of gotten to the end of the expertise at my local um, hospital. So I was flown to Cleveland Clinic and I became my doctor, my cardiologist's most critical patient for almost a year and a half, just with high powered medication, as high as they could possibly uh, prescribe for me. And just, we, we kind of waited um, to see if my heart would recover. And I just never made any improvement. There were prayer chains and, uh, you know, people praying around the clock. There were care packages and cards and so much support and just nothing was happening. Um, and that was a hard time. Um, but then I, um, unexpectedly had to have an appendectomy in the middle of this craziness. And they discovered at first when I went in, they said, no doctor will touch you with the heart that you have. You, they will not do this for you. And they did another test on my heart and my heart function was almost normal. Praise God. And you had a big prayer chain happening around you as well. Yeah. Ministry for many years. Mm-hmm. And I just want to uh, uh, emphasize the power of prayer as well. Oh, and so much, so much. And it was such a, I felt such a relief because there were so many people praying that at first I thought I was letting them down. I thought, oh, it's me, you know, my faith's mm-hmm. not strong enough and I'm letting them down. I mean, their prayers aren't being answered because of me. But God had a, an even bigger plan because three years ago, my heart function dropped and I was in active heart failure again. What um, what we've learned um, through all these years and dealing with it is that heart failure is a chronic progressive disease. And so it really only goes in one direction. During that decline, you can have some ups and downs, but in general, you're headed down. Medical science you know, for most people, they can help manage the symptoms. And so you can feel pretty normal most days, but, and for some people, they can slow down that progression and flatten it out a little bit. Right now I'm holding steady and, um, seeing things a little bit differently. And just, uh, uh, my daughter had a baby last year and it's a blessing to be here for that. So that must be Hazel. (laughs) Yes, that's Hazel. (laughs) I love the name. Well, praise God that you're here. And I know you're on a mission to help educate and 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 share your story because it is um, a powerful one. It's not just a, a story of, of miraculous um, healing. And I know it's still a journey, but it's healing. I mean, not just medically um, speaking of what they can do, but also God's um, he's the ultimate physician and his hand upon you. And, and as I'm interviewing you right now, I just see just the glow, glow of the Holy spirit in you and just your smile and your countenance, your level of faith through this trial. Um, like it almost like brings me to tears because it's powerful. It's powerful. And that is contagious. Um, but I do want to talk about, um, 
before we get to the spiritual side of things, because that's kind of where I want to go at the moment. But um, I want to talk about the physical a little bit more, because especially in this day and time when myocarditis is uh, the big um, uh, talk, especially with different things going on with vaccinations and and just all the things. Right. So um, it's 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 basically an inflammatory disorder. And so um, what you had is similar. Yes. How can you maybe talk somebody through this that, because we don't want people to worry, right? But we want them to be aware and you live a healthy lifestyle. God knows the number of our days, but what would you say to that person who might be in that place of a worry and, and doubt, and they want to control. And I know that's part of uh, the reason you wrote the book. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, in just a minute, but let's talk a little bit about that person that might be in that place, especially with the media putting that out there. One of the things I learned um, early on was that, which I had no idea, is that heart disease kills more people than all forms of cancer combined, yeah. which blew my mind. But the only self-exam for heart disease is awareness. You can't look into your heart and physically see anything wrong with it. A lot of times I, I couldn't because it masquerades as so many other things, anyone that's worried about it or anyone who feels like something's not right. I would say, you know, go ask the question, go see your doctor because that was one of the big mistakes that I made. Um, Mm -hmm. I had so many symptoms um, for years, but I made excuses for them or I uh, told myself it was something else. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about those symptoms because someone listening might right now may be having some of those symptoms. And again, you're a healthy individual. Um, and so to even have those symptoms are, are, <laughs> are signs that, hey, I need to get this checked out. So what were those symptoms so others can be aware? Yes. Some of the ones that I missed was one of the big ones that should have been such a red flag was that anytime there was an incline, whether it was going up a flight of stairs, trying to go up a mountain, we were in the Grand Canyon um, a few, maybe it was a year before I was diagnosed. I, I went down a little bit with my husband and my daughter. I almost didn't make it back out. And I only went down 10% of the way. But I kept excusing it as, you know, oh, it's probably my parents were smokers. I thought maybe I got secondhand smoke, something COPD. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I couldn't imagine what it could be. So difficulty with inclines. Yeah. There was a lot of shortness of breath, which I don't think I even knew what that was at the time. But just that when you're really exerting yourself and not being able to catch your breath back to normal at a, in a short amount of time. Um, I was, uh, you know, when I didn't weigh myself very often, which I know a lot of us are like that, but when I did step on the scale, I'd be like, where did that weight come from? The, um, the week that I was diagnosed was Thanksgiving. I just was not feeling well. I didn't eat all week. And when I went to the doctor that Friday, my husband came with me, which he, he just didn't want to go Black Friday shopping with the girls, but he was with me. <laughs> Truth be known, right? <laughs> Truth be known. But you know how they always weigh you when you go to the doctor. 
And I, it blew my mind, the number on the scale. I felt this strange sort of uh, vindication when they drained 14 pounds of fluid from me in the hospital. Wow. If you've got this unexpected weight gain, yeah, because I kept you're saying, not you know, a large woman, you would notice that immediately. Yes. And I kept, you know, I would hear my friends saying, oh, you know, I'm gaining weight because I'm, you know, I'm getting older. And I thought, oh, me too. (laughs) You know, look at us. Um, So weight gain was one. Had taught uh, college at the college level and business courses for years and years and years. And toward the end, I noticed that my heart would just and wouldn't stop. It was just kind of an uncontrollable uh, pounding in my heart. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that's what everyone says. I never had it before. Yeah. Just like, you know, oh, my heart's beating out of my chest when I get ready to speak in public. And I thought, well, I've never had that before, but maybe that's what it is. Mm. Um, So rapid heart rate and then fatigue, general fatigue that you just can't pinpoint. Um, But one of the ones my kids laugh about is Apparently, I've always had this constant cough after I was diagnosed and learned that that was sort of a symptom of this um, congestive heart failure. My kids were like, yeah, mom, when we would lose you in a store, if we heard your cough, we could find you. Wow. So I was coughing all the time. Yeah. And was <laughs> and it I like a, know a it. tickle or, or was it, did you just think you just kind of had a habit of coughing or? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it was kind of a dry, kind of just mm-hmm. constant little cough. It yeah. wasn't, and it was, it got to be so constant. I wasn't even conscious that I was doing it, Interesting, um, but that's yeah. another symptom of having that fluid yeah, around your sure. heart. And I don't know, um, you know, I'm going to ask you about your sleeping, but did you have um, apnea or anything like that as well? You know, I, I didn't, I, um, The only time I had trouble sleeping was after I had the device that I got. Um, And I'm always a stomach sleeper. So, but now the medication that, which is kind of a cruel double whammy, but the medications that they use to treat heart failure also mimic some of the symptoms of heart failure. So I'm really tired at night because of heart failure, but it's also makes it harder to go to sleep. Uh, The medications, make it harder to go to sleep. So I kind of fight that sleep thing now a lot more Mm -hmm. than I did then. Yeah. You have to have, um, really intentionally good sleep hygiene, right? Yes. Turning off the screens and, um, maybe taking a hot Epsom salts bath or whatever, but, um, doing something that's going to get you programmed into, um, uh, sleep pattern and having a dark room, that kind of thing. Wow. Well, I, um, I'm grateful that you are, are with us and that you are on a mission to educate women and, um, and to hear or to pay attention to those early signs and pay attention um, if others kind of point things out to you, right? Like, hey, mom, why are you coughing all the time or whatever, instead of just dismissing, oh, I just have a tickle or dry, you know, whatever in my throat. And yes. um, so those are things to really be on the lookout for, because I think most people think of the obvious ones. Like, you know, if you have a a shooting pain going down your arm and then I must have, you know, heart, heart, that's more heart attack, but heart issues because of that. And, you know, they just think of those main ones that are discussed, but there's so many other small uh, symptoms that um, could be misdiagnosed for years, like you said. So um, you 
decided during this time, during this journey of, hey, God, I'm, I'm ready to take up, uh, you know, and level, level up on my faith. Show me how I'll do anything. And he's like, all right, here we go. Here's the journey. So um, you, uh, not that he did this, but you know what I'm saying? He gives you the opportunity within our storm uh, to level up in our faith. And so um, you decided to write um, a book during this time. And let's talk a little bit about um, your, your book and it's called Divine Detour. And um, let's, let's talk about how that unraveled and, um, and what your goal is with this book and why you want to get it out there. This all started um, when I was in the hospital originally, things were happening so fast and we knew we were in the middle of something big. We didn't know what it was going to be. We didn't know how it was going to resolve, if it would. But my husband said, you should be writing this down. And I'm like, I am not writing this down because I don't ever want to relive mm. any of this. This is a mm. nightmare and I'm I'm going to walk away from this and forget it. My a friend of mine had dropped by a journal. And so I um I started writing things in it and just kind of angsty things, you know, um questions and complaints. And I just started doing that. And so what happened was. I ended up with a lot of journal entries and it took me, um, you know, almost three years after I was diagnosed to say, I should start probably using this to help someone else. And so while the book was sort of born of that unexpected diagnosis and, you know, a serious illness, and it does contain some of those raw journal entries, it's really not primarily about the medical events that happened. It's a guide so that others can confront what I discovered were the three questions that everyone eventually has to answer. I think it first becomes obvious when you're on a path that you didn't choose, when you're on this detour in life Mm -hmm. and you look around and say, you know, how did I get here? And that's when um, I think like Job discovered this in the Bible, you want not so much an answer to the question as you want permission to ask the question. I think that's what one of the main things I discovered is that questions really strengthen your faith. They don't weaken it because, you know, people think the opposite of faith is doubt, but really the opposite of faith is indifference. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, because if you get in there and you poke and prod and question and wrestle with God, you come out stronger in your faith. Amen. But if you just walk away, you just walk away. So I think I think God expects and encourages those questions because it keeps the conversation going with him. And so that's why I wrote the book is to really dig deep into those questions, just really open up a door of permission for even longtime believers to ask those questions because they're hard and they keep coming back. I think that is so profound, Lorianne, and it's it's so um, spot on. And I think if someone's listening uh, right now, maybe this is a, a a permission slip, if you will, to start asking questions again or just start asking questions for the first time. Because I think um, sometimes we think, who am I to question? And those questions, yes. you're like you said, they help us uh, dive deeper in relationship with God 
and strengthen our faith. And I, I that is so awesome. Um, and so if this book alone helps somebody through that, that's fantastic. So what's um, what are those three questions specifically? The three questions, what happened was I started writing um, and just kind of putting it out there, little bits and pieces at a time. And when I stepped back and looked at it, I I took sticky notes of every little piece that I had written. And the notes started going into three directions. At some point, I remember it hitting me that those three groups were the same three questions, basically, that Jesus wrestled with when he was led into the desert Mm -hmm. right before he started his public ministry. So in Matthew 4, Uh, it goes through those three questions is one of the places it goes through those three questions. And if, if you remember when Jesus was led into the desert, the first thing he had to wrestle with was the enemy said, tell these stones to become bread. And so if you're Jesus, the thing that you're wrestling with at that moment as the human side of Jesus is survival is the most important. My immediate need is my most important mission. It's it's what I need to be worried about the most. And so that's the question that we get in life is a question of worry. And that question of worry is, is this life all there is? Because if this life is all there is, eat the bread, right? <laughs> right. Do whatever you want. This is all there is. And um I think after wrestling with that first question, what I learned was my part of the story is a very small part of a much bigger story. Mm-hmm. And we often see our story as the whole thing and everybody else sort of walking into our story. But our story is just this little chapter or maybe just a little footnote sometimes of God's bigger story. Amen. So that was the first question was, is this life all there is? Yeah. Um, and then the second uh, temptation that uh, Jesus faced in the desert was when Satan said, throw yourself down and the angels are going to protect you, right? Jesus will not let you get hurt. He will protect you at all costs. And um, what we kind of hear is that, oh, if I'm a child of God, my life's going to go perfect. I'm never going to get hurt. <laughs> right? right. And, and we get, we end up with this question of doubt and the question becomes, is God always good? Because bad things are happening in my life. And the answer to that is yes. Yes, he is. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I think when you read the, the Bible in its entirety, it yep. tells you that over and over. We sure. will have trouble. And, and, and again, Job, but so many things. Um, but what I learned in wrestling with is God always good is that God didn't promise that we'd have an easy life or that we'd have a resolved life. Right. But he promised he'd be with us no matter what happened. So that was the second question was, is God always good? And then the third one is when um, Satan said, bow down to me and I'll give you all these kingdoms. You know, Jesus is saying, if I bow down to something other than God, I'll be successful. We question that like. I have this plan for my life. My plan's probably better than God's because I can see how I would be successful. And so this question of control, 
comes up for the third question. And that question is, is God's plan enough or do I need to help him out a little bit? You know, we wrestle with things like disappointment and um, waiting and trust. And I think one of the big things I learned when I wrestled with that question of control was that before I was diagnosed, my faith had me at the center of it. It all revolved around me. Mm. And this question of control came back to, you know what, this is God's plan um, and we're just living in it. So um, to your point earlier, bad things are going to happen whether you believe in God or not. You can either go through them alone or you can go through them with your support and with the spirit. Yeah, that's so good, Lorianne. And um, I just think about uh, what a timely uh, word in a world that seems to be so me, 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 me focused. And if we um, all start to, and we all have those moments, right? But when we look at society as a whole, it just seems so me centric and it's, it's just, it's just gross. And God's like, no, stop looking at you and look to me. And, and I know once that our uh, country and, and our, our world starts to do that, man, what a flip of the script that will be. Um, but I just, I just think even in our individual storms, whether we're going in one we're in one currently or coming out of, um, we have to continue to look up, look to him and see what the, what our story, which is really his story is all about. And I love that. That's what you're doing, uh, Lorianne, that you're wanting to educate people, uh, encourage them with your story and, and, um, and really let people know that there's hope number one. And just because, um, a physician or, or a doctor's doubt, um, has been spoken over you doesn't mean that that is what God has spoken over you. Right. Um, and to not let those words take root, uh, because God is the ultimate position and he does know the number of our days. And so I love your faith. You're, you're helping us level up in our faith as we're just listening here. So thank you for that. And, um, and these, this book is actually a 40 essays, right? And, um, and we think about the number 40, right? The number 40, um, comes up quite often in, um, in the Bible and it's, uh, you know, trial and testing and, but it's also about fulfillment of plans and promises. And so, um, I think about that in terms of what Jesus went through the Israelites. I mean, it goes on and on Moses and you, you share about that. And so, um, these 40 essays are, are almost like a representation of trial and and testing and yet the fulfillment of a great promise. And so I know that your book will encourage so many because we all have divine detours, uh, whether we pray for them uh, in a way that we didn't realize we were really praying for it or that they just happen, right? Because God, um, uh, you know, ordains our steps, right? So what, what is um, kind of a final thought that you would like to share with the audience um, as we wrap this up with, with your condition, what you've been through, and in all your, your experience and your years of wisdom, not just going through this season, but all the, um, the facets that God has, has allowed you to be in, what would you say to that person that, that actually might be struggling right now with heart disease or know someone who is and is in a place of listening to what the doctor has said rather than what God has said? 
One thing that that has helped me that I've kept in mind um, throughout this entire process is, you know, I think about um, Lazarus. Um, he was Jesus's friend, and Jesus came um, almost late, right, to um, rescue Lazarus, or what we thought or was they late. Thought, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, well, what they thought was late. And um, so we don't know God's timing, but also I think about the fact that ultimately Lazarus did die and I can think about him praying again to be spared from that physical death and how much it must have hurt God to say, no, this is not part of the plan because there's something more for you. And so sometimes what we pray for is these expectations or um, what we've constructed to be our best life, that might not be what God has in mind. And He, he's always a God of healing, always a God of healing. Sometimes that's here on earth and sometimes, but always it's in eternity. And so anytime there is, um, you know, like in my case, the the extra time that I've been given has been a blessing. And um, I I think to just make the most of that time. Um, but from the from the physical side, what I've learned more than anything is to listen to the people that love you. If they're telling you something's not right, at least go to the doctor. I, I think I was afraid to, you know, be labeled a you know, crazy woman that thinks something's wrong with her when it's not. And oh I'd much rather be that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd much rather be that than a heart, heart patient, but just do it. Just mark it off the list and, um, and give yourself a little bit of peace. And if you find it, when you, when it is found, it's much more treatable in early stages. So the sooner you can get to the doctor, the better. And they are, there are so many, um, advances that are going on in heart failure. Um, in particular, when I, um, I told you that my heart failure was restored. It was after I got, um, a device implanted that is a pacemaker and in internal defibrillator. Um, it's a special three lead one that helps resynchronize the electrical workings of your, the point is 10 years ago, they were not using that for heart failure. It was only for other heart conditions. And so that has been, there's always new advances on the horizon. And there's so many wonderful people like Women Heart, American Heart Association, and other organizations that work every day, find these new solutions. And God's granting more time to people all the time through the skills and through the expertise that he gives people. So we don't know what could be. The only thing we can do is our part, which That's is to right. be aware and to ask the questions. And might I add, not just to be aware and ask the questions, but to fuel your body with good, healthy foods and to sleep well, stress less, um, yes. exercise, all the things that go along with that. And I know that you um, live a healthy life and you do that as well. So it's not always those factors, but those are the factors that aren't done that tend to lead to heart disease, right? That's really what's yes. going on for the most uh, heart issues. But I am so grateful that you are speaking out and um, that that God has put these essays on your heart and now um, into print form to encourage and inspire others 
so that, you know, uh, the the worry, doubt and control kind of questions and 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 thoughts and feelings uh, can can be um, just at ease <laughs> because uh, through your story and through your essays and your your jottings in your journal, um, it, it really is also a reminder that if if any of you that are listening um, just understand that, that there is power in journaling. So you may be going through something that you could be journaling about and could be just like Lori Ann, but in a different situation, but journaling about it and could be a book down the road that could inspire, encourage somebody else. So never dismiss those, um, those jottings uh, in a journal. So anyway, Lori Ann, uh, God bless you and thank you. And I know that your uh, faith and just um, the way God continues to to heal your body is leaving a, a lasting uh, impact um, and a ripple effect, not just with your family, but in your community and with us here um, on Visibly Fit. So bless you and thank you for sharing your story. Thank you so much, Wendy. Yeah. And we can uh, get your book at lauriannwood.com, correct? Yes, it's available on Amazon and also it's available on my publisher's website, which is crossrivermedia.com. And you can read the first chapter free at my publisher's website. Perfect. Check that out. And also go to her website at laurieannwood.com. And if you are looking for a uh, health solution, go to getvisiblyfit.com, of course, and level up in your health and healing with a program and a solution that works. So God bless you. Thank you for tuning in and uh, look forward to catching you next time right here on Visibly Fit. Thanks again, Laurieann. Well, that's a wrap for today's show. So thank you so much for tuning in. I love spending this time with you. To learn more and get more free resources, just head on over to wendypet.com. And thank you in advance for sharing this episode and this podcast, following and subscribing, not only to this podcast, but finding me on social media, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, wherever you are, I'm probably there too. Until next week in our next podcast time together, make it a visibly fit day.